Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. So as we've been entered into and progressing through 21 days of prayer and fasting, my my greatest prayer to the Lord was, Lord, show me, show me what really matters to you. Lord, Reveal to me what really and truly matters to you. What are the things that matter most? And, and there's a couple of things that kept resurfacing, two of which are character and integrity. Character and integrity. I think we live in a society today where character and integrity have become obsolete almost, if you will. I want to talk to you typically, uh, uh, I want to talk to you today on the subject of character But I want to really hone in on the character piece as it relates to character under pressure. And I I will tell you that it has been a word for me as much as it may be a word for you this morning through this time of pressure and trial and tribulation. And quite honestly, watching the words that come out of my mouth. uh, You know, I know you mentioned Steve this morning. What I love about Steve is he will not hesitate to let you know when you are speaking something that does not belong to you. If you are around him and you start talking about, man, I am sick as a dog today. He'll say, what do you mean claiming something that doesn't belong to you? (laughs) Our words carry weight, church. Our words carry weight. I want to talk to you today about character. I want, first of all, what I want to do is I want to start out with what character is not because I think we've been really misconceived, if you will. We've, we've really misconstrued the subject of character. I want to talk to you today about what character is not first and then we will get into what character is. Number one, character, if you're taking notes, write this down. Character is not age. Character is not age. It really and truly isn't. Some people think character comes with age. It, it might. Character may come with age. Or maybe we've really just become a character. <laughs> maybe we have. Number two, write this down. It's not appearance. Character is not appearance. How many of you are listening to me this morning and you hear what I'm saying and maybe there's a little tinkling in your mind that says, wait a minute, what's he talking about? You might look like you have character. Some people can put on character, if you will. Our culture is so focused on the outward appearance of an individual that we look at someone and say, that's a person of high character right there. When in all actuality, they very well may not be. We're too focused on what people think. I'll give you a great example. How many of you have ever been in an enthralled, just top of your lungs, and and you you probably won't raise your hands because we're in church, it's okay. How many of you have been in an argument at home where the the tone of voice maybe is slightly elevated and the phone rings? Or maybe it happened in the car on the way to church and you get into the parking lot and the minute you step out, it goes from 112 miles an hour to, good morning, brother. How you doing this morning? Man, it's good to see you. Praise the Lord. 
When the phone rings, we can change instantly, can we not? We really and truly can. Number three, write this down. It's not achievement. Character is not achievement. It's definitely not what you have accomplished. I got news for you, and I learned this the hard way. You can have accomplished a lot, but not learned a single thing. Experience is not the best teacher, church. Some do the same things over and over and over again, and they expect different results. I think somebody said one time that's the definition of insanity. (laughs) I believe that evaluated experience is the best teacher. I really and truly do. Write this down. It's not academics. It's not academics. I know people who are biblical scholars that could recite chapter, verse, part, subpart, tell you the year it was written, who wrote it. They can use the lingo, but there's something else that God looks at, church. There really and truly is. Look at 1 Samuel 16, 7. Here's what he looks at. It says, the Lord does not look at the things that man looks at. He looks, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at what, church? At the heart. Character, church, is not reputation. Character's not reputation. Reputation is what other people think you are. That's what reputation is. That is not character. I can remember like it was yesterday growing up in the little bitty Methodist church in the town of Temple. Some of y'all know that town eight miles down the road. And I can remember on Sunday mornings, my dad would load us all up. We'd show up at the church. Now, there were two creaking wooden doors at the back of the church. It's actually the oldest brick uh, church building in Carroll County, I believe. So as the doors open, they're creaking. You know, we step in. The, the, the choir's up front. They can see everything. You know, we're walking into the back of the sanctuary. I had my assigned seat on the back row with my friends. My parents would move somewhere towards the middle As a matter of fact, I think my name is carved in the back of one of the, we're confessing this morning. But I can remember the statement like it was yesterday that my dad would make to us as we were walking through the back door of the church. He would squeeze our hand or grab our shoulder as we're walking through the door of the church and he would say, remember who you are. And you know what my father was really and truly saying to me? I wish it was something super spiritual or whatever. It really and truly wasn't. He was saying, you are Larry Mann's son. And when you walk through the doors of this church, don't you forget it. (laughs) Because if you do, and you embarrass me, don't you think our father wants us to remember whose we are? But he really and truly wants us to remember who we are when nobody's looking. Character is what we really are. D.L. Moody said character is what you are in the dark. Character is what you are when nobody's looking. Character is what you are when you're not in the boardroom. Character, church, is the real you. And God knows our character. Here's a great way to look at it. Character is attitude. Character is attitude, and that attitude is revealed under pressure. It really and truly is. Character is attitude revealed under pressure. It's the habitual ways that we respond to the situations of life. And can I tell you, I could write a book on how not to respond to things that happen to you in your life. I really and truly could. 
Proverbs 17.3 puts it this way. The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests what? He tests the heart. He really and truly does. The fire either purifies, oh, listen, it either purifies or it exposes. I worked in a dental lab when I was a teenager, and I had this very, what I thought was a very monumental task for a teenage boy. We had this thing where there was a crucible that had wax figurines on the inside of it, and those figures on the top of these stems were actually wax impersonations. I don't know if that's, that's the word I'm going to go with. The, the wax castings, if you will, of people's teeth. So we made teeth. It was a dental lab. And so we would put it in the furnace. The, the wax would melt out, melt out, but the material would stay around it. And then what my job was, was to pull it out at the right time. There was a machine that I had to crank up and pull a pin. How, you only could crank it so many times. Lay the crucible in there, if you will. Then take the... Uh, these gold flakes, just the right amount, because we didn't want to waste it. Gold's a precious metal. Put it in there. I had to take a torch, and I had to melt the gold. And what I would see when I melted the gold was a cloud on top of the gold. And at just the right temperature, at just the right time, it would expose the pure gold because it was burning away the impurities from outside of the gold. So all that was left was pure gold. And at just the right time, you let go of the handle, it slings the gold up inside of there, and it makes the impression of a gold tooth, if you will. He wants to refine us with fire, church. He wants to be the answer to our prayer. He said, test, listen to me, not tempt. We need to allow situations I believe he allows situations to happen in our lives to see how we'll respond. In bad situations, we need to be overcomers. When we're under pressure, certain things are revealed, church. I heard a story one time where a a man said, whatever you put in you is what's going to come out of you when you're put under pressure. That's the truth. Any of you know the story of Joseph, one of the 12 sons of Jacob, happened to be the favorite child, and daddy gave him a coat of many colors, and the brothers were slightly upset about this, so upset they decided they were going to sell him into slavery. Y'all remember this story? Anybody? It's ringing a bell. But what happened to, what happened to him? He wound up becoming the chief steward in Egypt of a very prominent figure. So let's look for just a minute, using God's word, if you will, at pressure in the Bible. Genesis 36, uh, 39, 6 through 12. Here's what it says. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Watch this. It goes on to say, with me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns has been entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except what? Except you, because you are his wife. How then could, you, could I do such a wicked thing 
and sin against God. How could I do that? And though he spoke to Joseph day after day, he re- she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to do what she was asking. He refused. Watch this. One day he went into the house to attend his duties and none of the household servants were inside. She caught him by his cloak. Now I want you to visualize this. He's probably trying to get away from her. He's trying to get out of that situation or that circumstance. And she grabbed him by the cloak. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. I want you to see this. She got his coat, but she did not get his character. When an artist draws a caricature, any of you ever seen the caricatures? I can remember when I went to Six Flags growing up, right? If, 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 my nose, my son-in-law tells me all the time, he reminds me how, how long my nose is. <laughs> If I were to go to Six Flags, based on what he says, and they were to draw a character of me, you know, what they do is they take your features and they over-exaggerate them. I might have a nose that stuck out to here if they drew a character of me based on what's being said. I I think, what, what do you think? I believe my nose is nice. There are certain outstanding features that are highlighted. They're exaggerated, if you will. Here's what I want you to hear about that. God wants to highlight some features in your life. I think character is one of those features. But I believe that we need God's pen to enhance godly features. Because, see, God doesn't look at what man looks at. He looks at the heart. You want a true Bible study, church? Read through the book of James. I have been camped out for 21 days in the book of James... I've been reading a lot um, in First and Second Timothy. I really and truly have. But I would challenge you to take some time over the next week or two and just spend some time reading in James. You want to talk about a realist who will put his finger right at you and say, you need to listen to what I'm telling you? <laughs> it's good. Here's what I know about pressure. I believe that God wants us to be positive under pressure. How many of you believe that this morning? The three of y'all that are still awake? When the first little problem comes along, ask yourself this question. How do you respond to those problems? I'm going to tell you, I've been in the crucible for the last month and a half or so. There have been times where I've even said to my wife, I said, Honey, these folks that I'm dealing with on this particular area of the church right now, I'm going to go show them what it looked like when Jesus flipped the temple tables. But I said, honey, it will be righteous anger. And then my wife spoke to me in the way that she normally does in a kind, loving tone. Said, I don't think that's what you are supposed to do. Oh, by the way, I have figured out what the voice of the Holy Spirit sounds like. (laughs) Here's the question. How do you respond to problems? Do you get grumpy? If you were to ask my family that question, I know what the answer would be. Do you, let me ask you a question, ladies. Do you wake up grumpy in the morning? And you might say, how dare you point out the ladies? 
Here's the real question. Do you wake up grumpy in the morning or you just let him sleep in? <laughs> Some of y'all are just now getting that. <laughs> Our attitude has to stay positive as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ. I'll give you a little background. My son Thomas, I coached him for many, many years in baseball. I enjoyed it most of the time. There were some times I didn't enjoy it when he would throw a little temper tantrum out there in the field because I wasn't coaching the way he thought I should coach. And, and you know, wisdom comes with maturity, I guess. And so, or his mama saying, what, what are you doing? <laughs> and me having to tell her and all the other parents, y'all just need to sit down. You want me to coach your kid, I'm going to coach your kid. <laughs> but what I had a conversation with my son about was his attitude because he was playing horribly, horribly. And I said, if you'll think about your attitude and you will change your attitude, your game will catch up with your attitude. And lo and behold, two weeks later, two games later, he had a breakout game. I was like, who is this kid? This is awesome. I can't believe the difference it's all about attitude. James 1, 2 through 4 puts it this way. Watch. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. How many of you find it just joyful when you're in the middle of a trial? A trial by fire, if you will. It's like, man, this is awesome. I love this. But as Christians, it's about perspective, church. It really and truly is. Because I stick to this verse that says he causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I know that I have been called by God. I know that God has a purpose for me. And it doesn't matter if I'm in the valley or I'm on the top of the mountain. Whatever comes my way, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It says, you know that the testing of your faith develops what? Perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and lacking nothing. Yet we find ourselves all the time saying, I don't have what I need. I find myself as a pastor sometimes looking around saying, Lord, we need this and this and this and this. And you know what he says to me? Everything you need is in the house. Everything you need is in the house. Or as a pastor finding myself sometimes when it looks like the crowd is light, I might make a comment that is the dumbest comment in the world when I say, where is everybody? That discounts the people that are there. The ones that are supposed to be there on that day, at that time, God has got them in the house. James 1.12 says this, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Wow. Is that a gut punch? Church, let me tell you something. I've been praying this week very feverishly for any of you who might be going through trials. You know what I find beneficial to me is when I'm going through trials, it's a great opportunity for me to pray for other people who are going through trials as well. Because we get, man, we get so, we get so self-absorbed with what we're dealing with, what we're handling, what we're struggling with that we forget about there's others around us that are going through something three times or four times as bad. What better time to pray? What better time to ask the Lord to intervene 
in the lives of those people. Here's what I can tell you, church. Hang in there. Number two, he wants us to be sensitive to other people. God wants to enhance the feature of how we treat people. So here's the, the question. How do you treat other people? James gets very specific about how to treat other people. In the first part of James chapter 2, he says, listen to this. Don't show favoritism. Don't show favoritism. Don't be a snob. Don't look down on some people and up at other people. And treat other people with special privileges because of something they've done for you, something they've said about you, or something that they've given you. Don't do it. Love everybody. Treat everybody equally. James 2.8 says it there. What, it says, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing what? You're doing right. It's a great sign of character when you care about other people. John, i got to say this out loud because the, the Spirit's been prompting me all morning. When I think of a man of great character and great integrity, I think of you. A man who not only loves his wife and loves his family, but he loves his church and he loves the Lord and he walks and he takes steps in character and he takes steps in integrity and he's open and he's vulnerable. And he, man, I know the love that he has for all of you as a church, even those of you who just walked through the door for the first time today. It's a great sign of character when you care about other people. When you walk in any situation and you don't think of your needs, but you put the needs of others above your own. I can remember one time when I received a call from a young man who had just lost his mother, someone he was very, very close with. And one of the things my wife and I do quite frequently when folks call and say, we need you to come talk to us, we need you to come sit with us, we need you to come, we just want you to come is as we're on the way there, her and I both look at each other and say, I don't know what to say in this situation. So we start praying. Lord, give us the words to say. Yeah. May the meditations, yeah. y'all know the scripture. <laughs> May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable and pleasing to you. Fill my mouth with your words to say. And I can remember this one situation where she wasn't with me. I was going to sit down with a young man and I prayed the whole way there and I didn't hear anything. And I sat down, and the young man started talking. Then he started crying. He, he was crying, so I was crying. And then he said, thank you for coming. I didn't speak a word. He just wanted somebody to feel his grief. To just be there with him while he grieved. Consider others better than yourself. Number three, write this down. He wants us to master our mouth. You know, the cool part about this character journey the Lord's taken me on in this last week is how it ties back so brilliantly to the, the message that you shared with us last week about unbalanced words. God wants us to enhance the feature of how we treat people. People of character watch their words. I'm going to say that again. People of character watch their words. We should be using words to bless people, not curse people. I think it was also James who might have said, can blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth? 
I've used that one on my kids a time or two. It's good. It's good. James 3, 6 through 8. I think you might have used this verse last week. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and it it is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no one can, no, no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil that is full of deadly poison. That's what it says. Ephesians 4.29 says this, Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which builds up others. My dad used to say, if you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. And you might say, man, this is elementary teaching you're doing this morning. It's truth is what it is. I, as the pastor of LifeGate Church, have determined to be a church that stays positive. No negative talk. I do a message every single year, once a year, called the gossip message. And if there is one thing that we will not tolerate as a church, it is gossip. And it's a two-step process in God's Word. It says you ask them to stop, and if they don't stop, you ask them to leave. What? You would ask somebody to leave the church? Absolutely. No differently than someone crawling through the window of my house trying to do harm to my family. Don't get pulled into debates. Don't gossip. Don't use hearsay. I'm telling you, it'll destroy families. It'll destroy churches. It'll destroy things faster than you can shake a stick at it, as my dad used to say. If we practice this, listen, church, and I believe that that you'll allow me to speak this to your church, too. If we'll practice this, we'd have heaven on earth. You'd have to lock the doors to keep people out of the church. Because wherever there is love, people want to get in. They want to be a part of it. The same is true for you as individuals. Create an environment of life. How? How do you do that? Are you listening? Just say amen if you're listening. How do you do that? With your words. By your words. Your words carry great weight. Number four, write this down. God wants us to be peacemakers, not troublemakers. So ask yourself this question. Do I make peace? Or do I cause trouble? Do I stir things up? Or do I calm them down? Do I incite or do I put out the fire? Do I like to argue? Don't elbow the person sitting next to you. Do I like to be contentious? Do I like to be argumentative? Y'all, I was adopted the day I was born and my birth mother would argue with that wall right there. And I would argue back because sometimes she was wrong. But what I've realized over time was the things that we were arguing about really had no consequence at the end of the day. She might say, boy, the sky is a great shade of fuchsia today. And I would say, no, mama, that looks blue to me. And we would argue. 
And then finally the Lord said, what are you arguing about? This is dumb. If she says it's fuchsia, it's fuchsia. It really doesn't matter. It doesn't amount to anything at the end of the day. Paul told the Corinthians that they were a bunch of babies. You know why he said that? Because they argued about everything. Everything. James 4.1 says this. It says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Where does this come from? Troublemakers have internal issues. I learned this a long time ago when I put it into play today, and I need you to hear this, church. Somebody needs to hear just this one word if you didn't hear anything else today. Hurt people hurt people. And you may have been the target of that hurt, but that was not the intention most of the time. They're hurting, and they want somebody else to feel the hurt that they feel. I have to remind myself of that with my wife, with my kids, all of those sorts of things. When they come home hurt and they lash out at me, it's just because they're hurt. It's not because I'm me. Let God heal your heart. In Matthew 5 in the Beatitudes, Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers. We should be a place of peace and of healing. You can come up, Corey. This last one right here is the one that spoke to me the most as I was studying and preparing to share with you this morning. In church, I know I've done more teaching this morning than anything, but the Lord's been teaching me for 21 days. And I just wanted to share a little portion of what he's been teaching me over the last 21 days. I, I hope that you found something in it that, that spoke to you. But here's the last point. He wants us to be patient and prayerful. James 5, 7 says this. It says, be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. And then verse 11 says, as you know, we consider blessed those who have what? Who persevered. And then verse 16, there's just so much meat in James. He said, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. I think one version says, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And I struggled with that word righteous growing up in church. I really and truly did. I can remember one Sunday the pastor said, I need all the saints to come to the altar this morning. And nobody moved. Nobody moved. And I can remember falling under conviction sitting in church many times growing up and even as an adult John you've challenged me a couple times I sit there and the Holy Spirit says he's talking to you son I struggled with that word righteous for a long time Lord I'm not righteous what does righteousness mean what does it mean Lord to be righteous and he kept saying to me it just means to be in right standing with me just be in right standing with me I want to be in right standing with the Lord. How about you? In chapter 5 in James, you'll find the word patience is used four times. And the word prayer is used seven times. 
You want to find a person of character? Look at their patience. And look at their prayer life. Because what I've found is that the times I'm most impatient are the times that I'm spending the least amount of time with God. When we pray, we need to come clean. We need to empty ourselves. There's one thing I say every time I pray when I'm alone. It's, Lord, examine me. Examine me. If there's anything in me that is not of you, I just ask that you burn it away, that you remove it, that you take it away from me. And it rears its ugly head from time to time, and he has to put me in check. We're all human beings, right? Just examine yourself and ask yourself, Lord, is there anything in me that is not of you? And if it is, Lord, get rid of it. I want to be so full of Jesus that I just can't help but for him to come out of me and everything I say and everything I do and everything I touch. I want to be the kind of person when you walk into a room, the environment changes, not because of your looks, not because of your stature, but because of the Jesus that is living in you and through you. He changes the environment if we give him the opportunity to do so. It is no longer I who lives, but it is Christ who lives in me. And greater is he who is in me than anything that is in this world. I'm going to ask Pastor John, if you'll just come up and bring us to a close this morning. We did a whole bunch of sweeping yesterday. Stirred up a lot of sheetrock dust over at the church. And I got a little tickling in my throat this morning. I hope y'all received something from that this morning. Because that wasn't me. That was just what the Lord's been sharing with me. And I felt like I needed to share it with y'all this morning. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Jay, for... For a challenging word. Anytime you preach out of the book of James, it's a challenge. Amen. Listen, y'all stand with me, please. John, how do you respond to a message like that? You pray. (laughs) You pray. Because if we're ever going to be people of character, if we're ever going to be people of patience, if we're ever going to be people who control their tongue and watch their mouths and speak words of life, then it's going to be through our uh, obedience to the Lord and our submission to Him through prayer. So if you want to pray about any aspect of this thing in your life, then you can come and do that. The team's going to sing one more song. We'll be dismissed together after that. But, but for the next few minutes, this is, the, this is the time that you get to hear what the Lord is saying to you. The last few minutes, he's been talking to us, and now this is just you and your Lord. So don't rush through the next few minutes. Let's hear what it is that he has to say to us and respond appropriately. And listen, if you're carrying any sort of burden, if you've got anything that you need to pray about, then you can do that during this time as well. And we'd love to pray with you about whatever's going on in your life. Okay, let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, uh, Lord, blessing on Pastor Jay. Thank you for the word that you've given to us today. And I pray that we are people of character, people whose character glorifies you, that see our good works, see our good, uh, the, the character that you've developed in us and glorify you because it's never about us. It's always about you. 
And I pray, God, that you would search us and try us and show us the things in our lives that we need to to not only work on but to pray about. Lord, if there's any situation in anybody's life today that's, that's a burden to them, I pray that you would draw them to this altar. And we know that when you draw us, that you'll meet us here. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.